You're listening to Rebel 5, an interactive interview podcast with alumni, past and current parents, and friends of Roncalli High School. I'm your host, Gary Armbruster, Director of Alumni and Corporate Relations at Roncalli. And each week, I will ask our guests five questions regarding how their lives have evolved and how key connections of experience, opportunity, and alumni networking have propelled them to where they are today. We'll talk challenges, how to overcome challenges, and what they've learned along the way. Stay tuned. I'm your host, Gary Armbruster, and welcome to a special summer field study episode of the Rebel 5 podcast part two. I'm sitting here in Topeka, Kansas, lovely Topeka, Kansas, with Chuck and Taylor Roach. Uh, both of these fine people uh, have been on Summerfield Studies for 11 years. Uh, Summerfield Studies 2019 took us to Buena Vista for whitewater rafting. From there, we went to Durango to the San Juan National Forest. Some of us went to Mesa Verde, and we broke out the second week to the Grand Canyon, Bryce National Park, Zion National Park, Purgatory, Capitol Reef. And here we sit, Chuck, in beautiful, humid Topeka, Kansas. What's the significance of Topeka, Kansas? Um, the only thing I can think, Gary, is that it's a 12-hour drive from Durango, and so we get here at a decent time. Um, get the kids showers, get them rested for the eight-hour trek home. I just think it's it's the right place to stop where we can get good accommodations, and it's pretty simple uh, to get home. Taylor, what's the significance of Topeka, Kansas for you as far as um, personal hygiene, if, it, if that's an appropriate <laughs> yeah. question? So Topeka, Kansas for me symbolizes um, just getting back into like civilization, getting my shower. It's our first night that we get to sleep in a bed after two weeks. Um, so really, I have to say, it's probably one of my favorite nights. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess the point was, you know, we went to all these beautiful places, some mm-hmm. of the most beautiful places in the world, really. And Topeka, Kansas brings it all back home and uh, you have the humidity and you've got a decent drive tomorrow back home to civilization. Uh, this is the 11th trip for both of you. Chuck, I'll ask you, mm-hmm. uh, why in the world do you keep doing this? So I give that a lot of thought each year because... Um, I frequently tell people that every year I say this is going to be my last year. Uh, Cub, Chris Belch, told me this the first time we went. There's a lot of discomfort associated with this trip. Right. And he said, you're not going to like a a lot of it. And he was right. I don't like a lot of it. Um, The first night, the long drive, um, all the nights in the tent. Um, For me, it really comes down to the people and the relationships. Um, I've gotten to know, obviously, a lot of staff members. It turns over a little bit each year, but... Um, it's great. Um, the talk circles at the camp, um, the new kids that you meet, um, the kids that you drive with, you become close with a lot of times. Um, so it's certainly about the staff and the students each year that, that brings me back. Um, hiking is great. Being in nature is great. But ultimately, it's the people that make the difference. Uh, your classmate, Chris Belch, you mentioned him earlier. Mm-hmm. How long did it take him to talk you into it? And then how did that tie in with when Taylor being able to come on her right. junior year? Right, right. So uh, Chris and I have been friends for our entire lives. Um, He uh, started going, I think he was in one of the first few years, 84, 85. Um, And I knew that he was doing this. And we started a law firm together and hang out a lot. And he had told me often, you should go on this. And I said, Chris, I've never camped. (laughs) I I did probably once or twice when I was a kid. But it's it's a city boy. Yeah, I'm a city boy. It's just, it's not my thing. Uh, He said, when Taylor gets old enough, you will come on this thing. And I said, I will consider it. And so when Taylor got old enough, um, to my surprise, I was able to talk her into it because she is certainly, she's more of a city girl than I'm a city guy. 
Um, but we went on that, that first year in 2009, and she fell in love with it. And I have not been able to talk her out of going since that time. Taylor, talk a little bit about uh, your first trip, and were there any apprehensions at all? Yes. So when my dad first um, told me about it, my first reaction was, no way. Like, absolutely not. And then I started thinking about it, and I was like, I do like adventure. I was like, maybe if I can talk my best friends into going. And so then I talked um, a bunch of my friends into going. I think there was, like, a group of, like, nine of us. And once they were on board, then I was like, okay, like, we can do this. This will be a blast. So then we went, and sure enough, it was the best two weeks ever. And you don't really realize it until you're home. Um, That first week back, you're like, wow, that was amazing what I just did those last two weeks. So, Uh, How many of those kids that went that first time still go? None of them go. Yeah, and that was a big thing for me going my second year was that none of my friends were coming back. One of them did, but um, that was only one year, and then – I've been by myself ever since, but I love it, honestly. Probably, I love that first year, don't get me wrong, but coming back, I've met so many new people, and I'm so close with so many different staff members, and so, yeah, it was a good choice to come back, even though all my best friends aren't here. I've been on summer field studies a couple times with my kids, so I know how much fun that can be. Talk a little bit about being on summer field study with your dad. Wow, um, that's probably the main reason I come back. I have to say, if he didn't, I probably wouldn't keep doing it I mean I know for me I look forward I'm obviously extremely close to my dad and so this is a really good two weeks I have two younger sisters so it's nice um to get that one-on-one time with him and even though Savannah does come Mm -hmm. she's not here this year but um I love hiking with him I love I was his driving partner this year I just love spending time with him so it's a definitely a two weeks that we look forward to Every year. Chuck, you talked about it. You, right. you go through that every year, but over yeah. the course of these last 11 years, was there a time where you, I just can't go, but somebody talked you into it? Or or it's just on your calendar every year, you're going until something keeps you from going. It's definitely on my calendar every year. I always block out the two weeks. I usually know, gen, like, general, it's like mid-June, so I always have it blocked off. There's really nothing that would stop me, really. I, I think every year I consider whether or not it, it might be time to take at least a break. Right. Um, but I think I talked about this with you um, when you started coming. When you're on the trip, you're really enjoying it, but you know there's some hardship going on. About a week after you get back, it's like, well, that, that, that was a really, really fun time. A month or two afterward, you cannot see yourself not coming <laughs> on it again. It just gets in your blood. And again, I would say it's, it's the people. You can't imagine not spending those couple weeks um, with those people and doing those things um, so yeah I mean I consider it each year but but I'm lying to myself I know what will be coming <laughs> it does become a bit of a transformative experience for a lot of people myself included do you have uh, I'll ask you first Chuck and I'll go to you second Taylor a favorite moment on summer field studies there's probably um, two that come to mind the first is and, and Taylor and I talk to people about this all the time the first hike we ever went on we were about half a mile in and we looked at each other and we said this is not for us we are not going to make it we've all been there yeah Yeah, and every year it seems like I have a little bit of that moment Um, but we had some really great staff with us at that time and they talked us through it encouraged us um, and it was a very long hike and we got through it right And, and that's kind of a microcosm of what you see on field studies it's it's doing things and overcoming obstacles that you don't think you're capable of 
So that was the first one. Then we, we did uh, uh, the Cross Canyon hike together, which is literally a rim-to-rim hike. Very, right. It's 24, 25 miles. Again, the same kind of thing. Um, you do not think that you are physically or mentally capable of that. Um, you bite it off, and then you just do it with the encouragement and support of, of other fe- other people. And obviously getting to do it with my daughter um, was a thrill as well. So those couple of moments, I would, I would say for me, uh, kind of encapsulate what field studies has become. Taylor, how about you? Well, you kind of stole my thunder there. I was going to say finishing the Cross Canyon hike. Um, that was an incredible moment because it was something that I definitely thought I wasn't capable of doing. And then finishing it was um, an amazing moment, especially being with him. Um, and then just in general, that's definitely my favorite moment. But just in general, my favorite parts of Summerfield studies are waking up in the morning and like the first couple of days you care about what you look like like you look in the mirror and then finally by that second week you just roll out of your tent everybody looks terrible and no one cares you just have like this it's this camaraderie that everyone has and it's just amazing and you can't find it anywhere else at least I can't so I know we were talking about something similar um this this year we stayed at Chris Park and so there's a gravel road goes down to the park and the first trip you're in the van and you're real careful about the van <laughs> and by the third day it's like let's just go and you just go crazy but yeah. uh, well we really appreciate both of you guys uh, visiting with us today and, and being such a big part of Summerfield study um, I'm still relatively new um, and it's gotten definitely in my blood and uh, it it it's just an amazing experience and so we think of you as a veteran but we're happy that darla's there with you to <laughs> well again you, you know it, it takes a village, so yeah, absolutely. Takes a village. Absolutely. So, thanks a lot for being part of this segment and uh we'll uh plan on you guys being here next year thanks Gary. Yeah, all right thank take you. care rebel five is sponsored by steve's flowers and gifts For the best and freshest flowers in Indianapolis and surrounding areas, Steve's Flowers and Gifts have exactly what you're looking for. For your next special occasion, call Steve's Flowers at 800-742-9359. Welcome back to the special Summerfield Study episode of the Rebel 5 podcast. Part two, our guest for the second segment, Father Rob Hausladen. Father Rob, thanks for coming to the uh, podcast today. Appreciate it. Thank that. you. I'm honored. You have been part of Summerfield Study for 15 years. Yes. How in the world did it all, all transpire? I, I've always associated you with Chittard football because you've been the chaplain for 15 years, mm-hmm. and I always see you on the sidelines and, and being involved in, in the Northside program, Southside School. How did you get involved in Summerfield Study? Well, when I got to Chittard and was chap- beginning as chaplain there, Stephanie Tice was a teacher and she was in charge of sort of the Chittard portion. So she would promote it at Chittard. And I heard from her that uh, there was this trip where you get to go out and hike and camp for two weeks. And I said, sign me up. So, um, and once I came, I was sold. So I'm very thankful that. Uh, been able to go on this experience time and again i've only been on the trip three times and you've been on those three um and and so a big huge part of the program is is you being there and being having a priest present um this year you were the only priest we've had as many as five in the last six one year three yeah uh, we had a visiting priest right so how does that change the dynamic for you being the only priest this year uh it's um 
I thought it was going to be more work, but uh, to be honest, it was less work because um, it just sort of felt natural. And uh, some people don't understand that priests are very different. And so being just sort of the only priest, I didn't have to worry about other people's personalities or um, right. how to get along with each other. It was actually sort of nice this year. Having daily mass at, as part of the first mm-hmm. week and a half of summer field studies is a great opportunity for the kids. I think there's decent participation. Um, how important is it for you to... Oh, I'm, it's one of the highlights for me. I'm, I'm just, I'm thrilled to see so many uh, students choose to come on their own. Especially I know how exhausted I am, and I know how I'd rather be playing cornhole um, (laughs) or doing something else. But to see the kids uh, choose to spend a little time in prayer and not just hanging out with their friends, and actually a lot of them bring their friends to Mass, and it's just a wonderful testimony. Uh, And it uh, brings a sense of hope and rejuvenation to see kids do it on their own and be able to celebrate with them. You are uh, one of eight kids. Yes. You're a bit competitive on the on the hikes. I say competitive, and I mean that in a good way, of course. Uh, talk a little bit about how maybe your upbringing has brought you to where you are as far as that goes. Um, I really don't know because it's all I know. Right. So um, I don't see myself as competitive. Other people do, but that's because they're not. Um, where are you so in line of the eight? I'm the third. Okay. I'm, I have an older brother and a younger brother, and I have five sisters. So, um, but yeah, it's always been, I mean, sports were always part of uh, our upbringing right. and my parents, my dad especially was big into sports and you play sports to win. Uh, that's where competition comes in. So, um, and I like to push myself and I'll push others if that's what yeah. it takes. And I think, I think you do. And I think that's a nice contribution to Summerfield study. Uh, 15 years you've been on Summerfield study, uh, 15 consecutive years. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit about why you do it every year. I just can't not come. (laughs) (laughs) Like I said, the first thing it brought me was just the idea of hiking and camping. And actually, I'd never really done it before. Uh, I'd always taken, when I did vacations, I I liked to go to Europe and just sort of, but even there, it was more, I would backpack across Europe and sleep in youth hostels and such on trains. So I was used to not staying in hotels, but uh, experiencing what we have here in the United States and just the beauty of the, of the nature. And uh, once I experienced it, I was hooked by that. But as far as the trip itself, and first time I came, first thing I did was I turned around uh, and drove back here the next week and took my own personal vacation here. And so you spent two weeks here and then turned around and did another week. Yeah, I came, I drove back and <laughs> did another week and just uh, did backcountry on my own. Yeah, I've been hooked by just the experience of hiking. But even then, uh, I told the kids earlier on this retreat on this trip that there are several times on the trip that I've, I'm reminded, I really don't like hiking. Um, <laughs> it's the idea of hiking. I think I like better than the actual hiking. Um, but what brings me back most of all is the staff just experiencing and, and growing relationships with the, the people that have gone several times before 
and I like to see them again and reconnect. And I like to say the same about the students, but they change most right. of the time. Almost every year is different students, but each year you get to connect with new students, right. and you're glad again to experience another batch, if you will, uh, of students. And so I know the experience is going to be positive with them, and I like to reconnect with the staff. So that's what brings me back. So 15 years consecutively, uh, what's the future look like? I hope I can do 15 more. So, okay. Um, <laughs> we yeah. do too. Yeah. We, so do too. <laughs> uh, we just had Taylor and Chuck Roach on. I asked them what their uh, maybe a favorite moment in Summerfield Studies for them. Do you have a favorite moment? I'm sure I do, but there's so many moments. They all just sort of, they seem to blend together, and I, I have to think for a long time to just to, to pick out certain ones because it's just, um, there are just so many small moments throughout the each trip one of my favorite moments came about because of Summerfield studies but it wasn't on Summerfield studies I came out here on my own and it was about the third year I came out and did a little back uh, back country on my own and then met up with my sister who lives in Denver and her husband my brother-in-law and we decided we were going to hike and so we did that and I got up to the top my sister had to stop at the keyhole but my brother-in-law continued on, and, and we summited Longs. And when I got up there, uh, I had mass with him. Oh, and, wow. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I yeah. hiked in some, some hosts and some wine. And it was, it was a very interesting experience. I don't know how many times people celebrated mass on top of Longs. <laughs> but, uh, and while we were there, uh, my brother-in-law is not Catholic, but there was a marmot who joined us. And... <laughs> I'm pretty sure right. the marmot was Catholic nice. because he sat in back and <laughs> he left right after communion. Yeah. So That's a great story. So thanks for sharing. Um, just to give our listeners some appreciation for your uh, affinity for Summerfield Study, you were three or four hours from Denver. Yeah. Uh, and you drove all the way to uh, Topeka, Kansas to help us drive. Yeah, that was the one downside of being the only priest on this one. Like, <laughs> this is the first time I've been, a, maybe the second time I'm a priest on my own. Right. So if we'd had any other priest, we could have had somebody else um, have this final mass. And I could have stayed. And my sister celebrate my youngest sister celebrating her 40th um, today. Right. So, um, but I told Joe I wasn't going to. He said that you could find a church somewhere. But I know... Going just finding a church and just having mass right. doesn't do service to what this trip is about. Exactly. And so, um, having experience, I know how important this night is. So I wanted to be part of it, and I didn't want to let um, summer field studies down. And I'd also say, uh, one of my favorite things about this is I, like I said, I started with the idea of it as an adventure trip, but I learned very quickly on that first trip. It's more than an adventure. Yeah. It, it's more like a retreat and. I've been chaplain for many years and done many senior retreats, and I've not seen one that had a more positive experience than this has. So that's what brings me back, and I see the value in it. And well, I agree with you 100%, and uh, thank you so much for being a part of uh, Summerfield Studies for the last 15 years, if I may, even though I'm still relatively new to the program. Uh, safe travels to you tomorrow as you travel uh, back out west to Denver and celebrate with your sister. Why, thank you. And uh, we, uh, we look forward to seeing you next year. Why, thank you very much. Rebel 5 is sponsored by Steve's Flowers and Gifts. 
For the best and freshest flowers in Indianapolis and surrounding areas, Steve's Flowers and Gifts have exactly what you're looking for. For your next special occasion, call Steve's Flowers at 800-742-9359. I'm your host, Gary Armbruster, and welcome back to the special summer field study episode of the Rebel 5 podcast. We're sitting with Linus Hoyker. Welcome aboard, Linus. Thanks for asking me to come. When I think of you and my experience with um, summer field study, you are a go-to guy. You've been doing this for 11 years. You've done the hikes. You know where the trailheads are. You know what to look for. Um, You do first aid. Talk a little bit about your experience. Why did you come for the first time and, and get involved? Well, the first time I came is my daughter, Laura, which is my third daughter, was coming. But it was because my second daughter, Amanda, didn't come. Uh, she was, uh, they had a bear talk. And uh, <laughs> she was all set. She was packed. All her black bag was on the truck. She wouldn't get in the van. Wow. And so I had to come to Ron Collin and pick her up. I said, okay, third daughter wants to go. I'm going to make sure that, you know, she feels comfortable. You know, if I go along, that she'll be more comfortable. Now, she hated it that I came along <laughs> because this was going to be her trip. And right. I understand that. You know, right. she's senior. She wants to do it by herself. But Daryl actually worked behind me for many years, so I finally asked him if I could just go along. And I knew this was going to – it was a hiking trip. You know, you'd have to tent outside. I knew all right. that. But I didn't really know what this was all about. Right. That first year, was, I just wanted to make sure that I didn't do anything stupid right. <laughs> on the trip. I understand that. But uh, – uh, the first hike Daryl sent me on was seven and a half miles, 2,300 feet elevation change. I was not ready for that. Right. I did it. Yeah. But that was twin sister in Rocky Mountain National yeah. Park. Baptism by fire. Oh, my gosh. I think Daryl was trying to take the measure of me <laughs> and see, you know, what, what could I do? Yeah. And uh, uh, by a week after I was, you know, into the trip, my daughter, Laura, I think started realizing me as a person and not as a father. Right. And that was a whole different experience for her. So by the time Father's Day came, which was what always seemed to be in the middle of the trip, right. she uh, you know, started to realize what, 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 what it was as a person. That was the first well, year. Why do you keep coming back? Well, the second year I felt a little bit guilty <laughs> yeah. because, you know, I begged Daryl to go. Right. And I thought, well, I just can't go one year and not go the second year. The one thing I learned from the first year was I need to get ready. You know, so I actually started, you know, exercising a little bit. And I worked right. at the fire station at Lilly, so they had exercise equipment there. So I actually started using it, okay, and started doing some things to bring up my, you know, ability to do some of these things. And in addition, I started biking probably about that time, too, because I wanted to bring up my, you know, exercise level and be right. a little bit more prepared for the trip. Uh, one thing I've learned about this trip is that, you know, I thought it was just a hiking trip. Well, I've hiked in Brown County. You know, what? how hard can that be to do? Well, it's really, you know, it's serious hiking. And I, I wasn't prepared the first year. Yeah. But as I went and continued to go year after year, I realized I was really about service, especially for me because, you know, I, it's an opportunity for me to serve the kids and to teach them what it is to be a servant, yeah. okay? And the other thing is, is that this is really a retreat for the kids. I didn't realize that when I started. And the change in kids from the first day you see them at Ron Collie until the last day they come back, it's just amazing. It's so great to watch 
how all these kids change and improve themselves and learn about respect you know for other people for themselves and and for what for for nature and that's really an incredible thing to watch each trip i think it's uh, it's fun to watch the accountability rise yes you know if you forget your water you don't have any water you don't have and any water. you better have it because you're going to need it yes yes um and i think not only the students but the staff as well um i know from my own personal experience i've changed a lot in how i approach it um then the first year I had, like you, I had no idea. I'm thinking this isn't Brown County, but you know, what is it? And, uh, but it can be a transformative experience, as I said before, and uh, that's pretty neat to see. It is neat. 11 years you've been doing this. How has the, the trip changed, if at all? I don't think the trip has changed so much. It's that you have to learn as, you know, going on these trips to, expect the unexpected this is not something even though we get this nice agenda of where, what we're going to do and when we're going to do it right you got to realize it's going to change now if you're the kind of person that has to do this this is that and the correct order and all the rest this is not the trip for you this is about you know going out there um and problem solving now in my former work that's I do that all the time, right. you know, emergency planning and preparedness. So that this was just a general application of the same thing. But that's what I feel that I brought to that I could think through these problems, prepare for those problems, and teach others how to do that. You're very involved in first aid. Yes. Has that always been the case? Uh, I've been an EMT since 1976. Oh, okay. I didn't realize So that. that's a long time now. That's lapsed since I retired. It's just hard to do that without being on an active ambulance service, but I got to that long before, you know, the other things that I did. Yeah. Well, actually, I did music before that. My mom made me play piano when I was in second grade. <laughs> right. You know, but uh, when I went, uh, she made sure she talked to the nuns of the school because yeah. we ha- used to go to mass every day. Oh, yeah. Tuesdays, Linus wasn't coming to mass. He was going to the piano lesson at 8 a.m., and he would join the rest of them when they were done, and that's why it worked. Wow. Well, on Summerfield Study, you are uh, one of the most popular persons simply because you, the first aid. And there's lots of blisters, lots of people that aren't used to hiking or uh, doing exercise outside in the mountains for sure. So uh, how does that make you feel when you're part of that and you get people back on the trail the next day? I really, I'm, I'm a teacher at heart. And so you have many teaching moments when you're on Summerfield Study, whether it's about how to hike properly or what this is and why this happens. I'm always asking myself, why, why is this happening? Why is this, why are the trees this way? Why are the mountains this way? You know, what are the right. differences? And teach kids, you know, how to think and solve problems. Uh, what's the future look like? Well, my knees are getting pretty bad, yeah. but Daryl has uh, allowed me to do all the other things. And I kind of knew this was coming, so I thought, I gotta, what can I bring in addition to what they already do, which is a great job? Yeah. What additional things can I bring? So the first aid was the first thing. Now, we used to all have those first aid kits, which you all carry along right, with you. Right, And once I realized how many blisters we were getting, you know, I put together all of those the blister kits so that we could more easily right. and have all the tools. We always ran out of Band-Aids or, you know, the cream, by, you know, about halfway through the trip. And, you know, we had to always go into the store and get some more. So, and then once I started getting into uh, road biking, I researched Durango and found a really good ride. It's challenging, right. okay, but the kids all like the ride once they get them on there. Yeah. You know, they all like that bike ride. So uh, do you have a favorite Summerfield study moment? I think that I think the bike ride is really for me because that's something that I, 
I'm not a hiker. I'm sorry. Right. I mean, I may, may wear boots, and, <laughs> <laughs> and I have improved my hiking technique over the years, learning how to, you know, set goals. Okay, okay. Uh, I've got a switchback coming, right? Okay. I guess you go up to that next switchback, then I can rest. Next switchback and rest. So, and that's part of how I, what I teach the kids who maybe aren't as good at hiking is that just set yourself the next goal, yeah. the next goal, the, and pretty soon you're up the mountain. Well, Linus, I, I know from personal experience that uh, you've been a huge, huge uh, contributor to summer field studies over the last 11 years. You've helped me out immensely, especially this year on a number of different occasions. And I know I'm not alone, so I uh, just want to thank you for being a part of it, and I hope you're a part of it for many, many years to come. I hope to come come as long as my wife my wife lets me keep coming. <laughs> yes, thanks, Miss Meg. We appreciate it if you're listening. We uh, give you a shout out. So, thanks, Linus, and uh, we look forward to seeing you next year. Okay, thank you. All right, take care. Rebel Five is sponsored by Steve's Flowers and Gifts. For the best and freshest flowers in Indianapolis and surrounding areas, Steve's Flowers and Gifts have exactly what you're looking for. For your next special occasion, call Steve's Flowers at 800 742 I'm your host, Gary Armbruster, and welcome back to a special summer field study episode of the Rebel 5 Podcast, Part 2. I'm sitting here with the three Gervasio men, if you will, uh, Dave, Sam, and Joe, and uh, they were on summer field study 2019 together. And uh, so, Dave, this is your 20-plus year. Uh, Joe, you've been on it Four, five, five, five years. Sam, you've been on uh, the trip two years. Talk a little bit about. I'll, I'll throw it out to you, Dave. What's it mean to uh, have your sons here? And uh, and before you answer that, I'd like to welcome you back as our first repeat uh, visitor to the Rebel Five Podcast. Well, thanks, Gary. It's uh, truly my pleasure to be back. Uh, really enjoyed the first time. Uh, and uh, to, to answer your question, uh, you can't really put into words what it's like uh, to be able to see. Uh, uh, you know, both your sons, uh, on the trip. And, uh, because again, you know, I think the first year that I went was 1984. Uh, and you know, you really don't even at that point, you can't, um, uh, even have any idea of what the future might hold, but it's really special to see, uh, uh, my two sons back on the trip and, and doing a lot of the same things that I did, uh, when I was a student and, uh, reaping the benefits uh, from this great program. Sam, I'll throw it out to you. What's it mean to be here with your dad and your brother? Uh, I just think it's great because I went the first time with um, out my dad and brother, and that was a cool experience. And now having family on the trip, like, I guess amplifies the experience. And you get to share memories with your family with how the trip is and how it relates to other things you've done. Joe, this is your fifth time. How many times have you been with dad? Uh, I've been with dad twice now on the trip um second time as a student we all pretty much go alone our first time right get, kind of right, get an experience right. like a true summer field studies and then later we get to do it with um dad or staff if they or a sibling if they'd like to um our younger sister abby just decided to do it once as a student right. and hasn't <laughs> decided to come back as staff <laughs> Um, I, have so a, it's, I, I, got, I got a good question for you. Yeah. I know you were with your mom last year, right? Yes. And so you're with dad this year. 
how does that how's that different that's completely different because um, just make sure you say you liked it with mom <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's uh with dad it's more of a oh he's a, he's over there he's fine and that's kind of the approach I think he takes towards me as well. Yeah. Um, he's over yeah. there. He's all right with mom. It's a, kind of a constant check-in. And that still goes even if she's not on the trip. Um, <laughs> there's a family group yeah. chat right now that there's probably two messages sent from us and six from mom. But right. it's, a, yeah. <laughs> it's a mom thing. Yeah, I'm sure That's, a lot of people understand that. Yeah, Absolutely. To absolutely. give a, a perfect example. <laughs> Uh, it took us about uh, four days into the trip before we sent her a picture. And uh, we finally <laughs> sent her a picture. I sent her a picture, I think it was maybe with the three of us mountaineering. And uh, it took about three seconds, and I get back the, the return text from Tamara that says, I'm crying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope those were good tears. Right? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure yes. they were. <laughs> so mountaineering and rock climbing, uh, you've uh your your dad started a long long time ago uh talk a little bit about what that is as far as um being out there with your dad and 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 how that works i guess the rock climbing and mountaineering from a summer field studies point of view it's kind of the way you can escalate your i guess interaction um with nature and what you're doing outside because, you know, hiking through it, you get to look at it. It's really, really cool. And all of a sudden when you're mountaineering or climbing, now you almost have to you have to sense it. You have to feel it. You're touching it. Um, it's just a way more intimate view of what you're surrounded with. Um, You've been on the trip, like I said, for five years. What's it feel like when you uh, are teaching a student and they, they get it? Uh, you know, maybe they struggle, 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 and all of a sudden – they get it. What's that mean? Oh, to you? that's my one of my favorite things because you immediately see a recognition. It's something you can't fake either. The kid, you know, um, I was had the opportunity to do a relatively difficult rock climb. I was belaying the kids on that, and some of them, you know, you're describing what moves to do. This is how you should do it. This is how you should approach it. And prob- about half of them actually do what you're trying to say, and even much smaller portion even achieve what you um or explain to them and the ones that do just the immediate satisfaction the big grin that they turn around and look at you with they all of a sudden get it they feel it it's a feeling it's that it's very very difficult to describe and words would not give it justice of it's a not necessarily a conquering of mother nature because that just doesn't work that never really really happens it's allowing you to move in a way that she lets you and you read it <laughs> properly right. and they read that line and they get it for a short period of time and it's awesome to see yeah so you just graduated from purdue correct and you're off to the do, do some adulting as we yes. say in my family yes uh summer fields today will be part of your future I really, really hope so. Obviously, it's a lot of dependent on vacation days and um, right. flexibility in terms of work. But I would love to keep coming back. This is an amazing program, um, and kids get so much out of it. Obviously, people keep coming back. People want to be staff. So it's a one-of-a-kind place, too. Right. I don't know of any other school that has something like this anywhere in the country. And I've worked a couple places um, outside of Indiana and Indiana of a place to have right. <laughs> a program like this is kind of crazy. Um, it, it is kind of funny when you're out and you're in Durango or, or 
Mesa Verde or wherever you are, and somebody will say, well, who are you people? You know, you mm-hmm. pull up in three or four vans or 12 vans, and they say, well, you know, what's going on? And you tell them, and, and they're almost without fail, uh, yeah. either dumbfounded or they think you're nuts. Yeah. And so, uh, yes. Sam, let me ask you this. As you were off to Dayton next year uh, as a freshman, uh, what's your future uh, with Summerfield Study, do you think? Uh, so I hope to come back as a Sherpa next year. And then that is also dependent on what work I get, if I can get internships and stuff. And then if Daryl and Mr. Hollowell will let me back as yeah. <laughs> a Sherpa. And then I just hope to be able to stick around, maybe make it to staff one day. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. Um, Dave, last time we talked on the Rebel 5 podcast, I gave you um, an opportunity to talk about some uh, – favorite moments um and uh, so i'll throw out to you first and then i'll get with sam and joe uh, a favorite summerfield study moment the uh that's a very difficult question because uh, i've been here you know with the program for for 20 plus years and uh but I, but i would even tell you on this specific trip um as we were we were mountaineering uh and moving up a snowfield and uh you know we had i think four rope teams um i think we had 29 student climbers we had maybe six or seven staff so it was a huge group um and you know all with ice axes and crampons and you know as i'm looking up this long train of of uh uh, students and staff moving up um the snow field towards the summit ledge I'm looking up and I'm seeing, uh, you know, one of my sons is second in line, who's uh, Sam is kicking in steps um, with the group, and and Joe is leading one of the rope teams, and uh, uh, you know the son's coming over the ridge, and it's one of those just uh, epic moments um, that you see, and I I remember just vividly thinking, uh, boy, I wish Tamara were here to see this as well mostly because my legs were burning and I'd rather <laughs> she be here than, than me. But uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, no. That was really uh, uh, really just something special to me. Yeah. yeah. Sam, how about you? You have a favorite, uh, a favorite Summerfield study moment? Uh, so I would say it is, again, on mountaineering. Yeah. So as I, w- uh, I was number two, which means I just kick in the steps for everyone else. Well, Connor was leading – and Connor Mathias. Uh, Connor Mathias. He was leading my rope team, and he said, "Oh yeah, Sam, my crampons aren't working, so you're just gonna have to guess where the steps are." <laughs> <laughs> this is halfway up, and he's we're sitting there, and he's like, "Yeah, I'll fix them like three fourths of the way up." And he's like, "Yeah, there won't be any marks or anything. Just guess." Yes. <laughs> so as I'm kicking in, we make it up three fourths, and then he fixes his crampons. Well, we thought he fixed them. Yeah. Uh, just a bit further. Hey, Sam, my left crampon is off. <laughs> you're going to have to kick in the left steps, too, now. <laughs> so now you're just going to kick in all the steps as we're going up. And I'm already exhausted and just thinking, this better be worth it on the all the way at the top. <laughs> well, that brings a, a good point up, uh, the payoff. I mean, you know, even if you're uh, a hiker like me that isn't nearly as accomplished as you three, you know, the payoff is what you are wanting. And, and so, uh, where did you guys go this year and was the payoff worth it? I'll ask you, Sam, go ahead. Uh, I don't know. Did we act, would we be considered peaking the, uh, we made it to the summit Ridge and, and just under, uh, the summit on Turkhead's Peak, but yes, uh, it's close enough for me. <laughs> and the payoff was worth it. Oh, it was great. Yeah. I loved 
because that's one thing, no matter what hikes you go on, you will never see the same scenery, the same hike twice. Yeah. Because there was extra snow, so everything was so much brighter this year than it probably has been any other year. Yeah. Joe, favorite Summerfield study moment? Yeah, kind of same boat as Dad. It's really, really difficult. Um, I guess a huge highlight earlier this trip, I had a group of kids. We were trying to do a hike called Highland Mary, and we're driving um, up these just crazy, crazy roads to try and get there already. And there's avalanches everywhere. There's trees down, and we have to park. Um, almost three miles from the trailhead. We just park at the end of the road and we have these kids hiking to the trailhead from the vans over basically where an avalanche has stopped. So there's thousands of trees and snow all over the place and we have all these kids marching over it and they're all, you know, you know, hunky-dory jumping over this, jumping over that. and. Um, so we do that for almost two hours because the train's incredibly difficult. It's sloped. It's um, lots of trees, like I had mentioned, which make it incredibly difficult and kind of dangerous at times right. um, to move across. And so we finally get to the trailhead. And we, um, what happens a lot in summer field studies is you'll have a really, really strong set of students and um, students that don't want to hike as fast in a second group. Right. So a lot of times you break into two separate groups and you have different goals and accomplishments that you want to create. And I was leading that second group and we get to the trailhead and they all kind of look at me and they're like, <laughs> now the hike starts? Exactly. <laughs> they're like, gross. what, what yeah. are we doing here? Right. And I was like, all right, we're not, we, we're tired. We'll just pick a place and we'll go. That's where we'll eat lunch. So there's snow everywhere right now. So we don't have to worry about stepping on um, plants or disrupting any of the natural environment that's around us. We're not going to do any permanent damage. And so I look at them and there's a we're in a beautiful mountain valley and i just kind of point up at a huge outcropping i was like that looks like a really really good lunch spot that that's where we'll go um for lunch and not knowing that over we only hiked maybe three quarters of a mile but we increased our elevation by almost fifteen thousand feet and we were booking it up this but every single time i would look back and ask the students i was like do you guys want to stop here i mean eat lunch here i was like this is this is incredibly difficult i am sucking wind and i've been you know i've been training for this and like these students did not sign up for what i'm having them do right now right but every single time i look back they're like no no no, we want to get to your spot or like we think it's super super cool and we finally trudge our way there and we make it to the top and we all sit on this beautiful ledge look out at this mountain and all of them one of the students looks at me and she goes never in a million years would i have seen myself doing this yeah so i would never see myself you know eating a peanut butter and jelly that i made at (laughs) six this morning with half frozen peanut butter on two heels of bread um and completely loving every minute of it she's like she was a stud the whole time she was um hurting we were all hurting but every time i looked back they were smiling they were laughing at one point they asked me so uh how many doritos do you think it is to the top so we were we were estimating how many doritos to the top and it was just putting it into a perspective that was unbelievable and then taking a step back and thinking of what we're doing we're in probably the first people on this hike this year yeah i mean we had to hike the two and a half miles to the trailhead and first people getting to eat out here and 
everybody was high spirits, loving it. And that moment when she was like, I would never in a million years see myself do this and being able to be the one to lead them there. And it was kind of a cluster at the start. And, yeah, it, and yeah. that turned out to be your favorite part of the trip. So that was, that's probably it for me. Yeah. Just to clarify, there was probably 1,500 feet of elevation, well, not 15,000. 15, yeah, I'm oh, glad right. you pointed I'm that sorry. out. Yeah. Yes. But that also sorry, corresponds yeah. to 43,000 Doritos. Yeah. So. <laughs> right, right. Did you just yep. do that in your head? I did, yeah. yeah. <laughs> did, the, did the quick math. <laughs> well, that's the, that's the beauty of the trip uh, for people that have been on it. And, and we're over 3,000 uh, total participants at this point in time. Uh, but to say you're going out into the mountains and you're camping and if you haven't done it you just don't get it and to see the difference in the two weeks from where they started out at mass at Roncalli and two weeks later we're here in Topeka it's a great program and you guys have been such a big big huge part of it in the last few years Uh, I just want to thank you both or all three of you for being here and sharing some uh, some fine memories from Summerfield Studies 2019, and uh, look forward to many more contributions by the uh, Gravazio men. Thanks, guys. Thank Great you. to be here. Thanks, Gary. Rebel 5 is sponsored by Steve's Flowers and Gifts. For the best and freshest flowers in Indianapolis and surrounding areas, Steve's Flowers and Gifts have exactly what you're looking for. For your next special occasion, call Steve's Flowers at 800-742-9359. I'm your host, Gary Armbruster, and welcome back to the special summer field study episode of the Rebel 5 podcast with Tim Chrisman. Tim, welcome to the show. Thank you, Gary. How'd you get involved in summer field study? You know, it was interesting. I just came to Ron Colley, and I didn't know anything about summer field studies, and then started hearing about it just in general through word in the hallways and so forth, and took a chance and stopped Dr. Hollowell in the hallway one day and asked him, what is this all about? And I think at that point in time, I was signed on for that trip that we, that year. <laughs> I think that's how it happened. Yes. There was no backing out at that point right. in time. But as the trip grew closer, I got more and more excited about the opportunity to uh, spend some time in some areas I've never been in with some people that I don't know and with some students that I could grow closer with. And you mentioned uh, places you'd never been. Had you been out west at all? I have been out west. I have never really hiked through the mountains. Uh, you know, I, I flew over them a few times right. with stops in L.A. and Vegas and spent a little time in Denver, but never really never really dug my feet in, you know, to get the blisters and going up the hills and getting rained on and all those kinds of good things. Where did we go the first time you went? The first time I went, we actually traveled to um, Duck Creek Campground and visited Bryce and Zion, then headed into the Grand Canyon for a little while and then back out to the San Juans. What trip was this last one for you? This last one was for me. It was only my third, to be honest. Okay, okay. What was the hook? What uh, what drew you in that uh, you said, I got to do this again? You know, that first year, I, w- I went out there. I had no idea. I didn't even know we drove through the first night. I found that out when I got in the van. Which <laughs> We're doing like, what? It's <laughs> like, all right, let's do this. Um, and all through that first trip, I don't think I, I caught the hook till after the trip, to be honest with you, because everything was so brand new to me. I was uh, I was enjoying it. It was spectacular. Some new sites I'd never been in any of the parks we were in, any of the national parks. But it wasn't until about mid-July where I was like, man, that was really a great experience. This is This is something I could see myself participating in, growing in. It's helped me grow as a person, helped me understand a, a little bit more about how, how God had 
you know, comes to me as a person where I see him. So that was a positive. But like I said, on the trip, I was just fighting my way through a, a, an air mattress that had gone bad and, you know, staying warm at 11,500 feet. But afterwards, it really came to me. Where do you see it as the value for our students? You know, we talk a lot, or at least I used to talk a lot with the students about, you know, the three ways that we're here to help them grow. You know, we want to make them life learner, lifelong learners and understand how Christ exists in their world. And I think we do that through three different ways. And I think one of those ways certainly is academically. And those kids do learn about uh, some of the academics associated with the outside world and understanding, you know, what it takes to live amongst nature. So I think they grow academically. I think... Um, one of the ways that they grow socially big time as well because they're put in uncomfortable positions and uh, without cell phone access and you know everybody has a little bit more of a distinct smell because we go through you know days at a time without showering and uh, you know they learn how to adapt and they learn how to actually much better it is to look at somebody face to face have a great conversation see them laugh see them smile you know, comfort them when they're when they need it. So, then the last way certainly is spiritually. You know, watching these kids grow and their understanding how God exists in our world. You know, for us, each and every single one of us, that's manifested differently. But to watch those kids have those aha moments is pretty spectacular. And then for them to share them with us and with one another is is pretty powerful. Uh, two questions. I oftentimes talk on the podcast about challenges overcome. Uh, you've been on this trip three times. Uh, you have a challenge that you overcome or that you've seen from somebody else overcome that, that kind of rings to your heart? You know, uh, there's, there's certainly everybody experiences uh, challenges in a different way and different opportunities. One of, one of the challenges I, I overcame was this whole idea of, you know, how can I live comfortably doing this? I want this to be a part of my life. But, man, I really have trouble rolling off the ground each and every day, you know. And so looking at how God is calling me to serve those people, but also how I could be com- a little bit more comfortable <laughs> serving those people certainly was one way, one challenge I overcame. But I think one of the bigger challenges that I personally have seen is, you know, understanding how this could be, be a calling for me to help serve the student body a little bit di- in a different way and help them get to know me in a different way. And uh, taking on that challenge from a greater leadership role, I'm, I'm excited about it. It does, you know, it does have its fair share of, you know, 120 people out in the woods with no connection to anywhere. It certainly, will present itself with some moments of, what am I doing? Right. And let's make this happen. Right. On our most recent trip, we were with you um, on uh, our second week uh, back country, quote unquote back country in, in the Grand Canyon. Um, you had a bit of an issue that week, uh, but we worked through it, right? We did work through it. I was uh, I was down and out for the count there. I was really looking forward to uh, spend some quality time with both the uh, both the adult leaders that were going to be on the trip, and as well as the students that were going to be on the trip. And I think God had a little different plan for me, <laughs> and decided that I really needed to spend some more time in the back of a van. Um, that certainly, you know, that w- that was a challenge because I, I had a different whole idea how I wanted to spend that last part exactly. of the trip. And uh, and uh, wasn't able to spend it quite that way, and still tried to make the best out of it that I could, and not get anybody else miserable while I was doing it. No, and there was uh, there was some success there. It's still even uh, having issues uh, with your health. Um, it's still a beautiful country, and it's just an awesome awesome experience. It certainly is. No matter how you're feeling, just when you 
walk up to the rim of that canyon, you look out and see how spectacular it is. You can't help but forget about what's going on health-wise and pause a moment and really reflect on the good things that are brought to you in your life all the time. So we've been on this trip for 37 years, 40 trips. Um, You've been on uh, a handful of them, myself as well. Dr. Hollowell has been the leader for all of those, and he's going to be stepping to the side. You're going to be part of the new leadership. Talk a little bit about that, because anybody knows you're not supposed to follow the legend. You're supposed to follow the person who follows the legend, and you've done that twice now (laughs) in the (laughs) dean's position. (laughs) So talk a little bit about that. What's this trip going to look like? Is it going to be different? Is it going to be the same? You know, Dr. Hollowell and, and for the most part, his entire family have made a pretty big impact on, on a lot of students' lives and been able to uh, show a lot of students, you know, here's where we can find Christ in areas where they're not used to seeing him. And certainly the, that tradition of taking kids out, putting them in an uncomfortable position, helping them to grow socially and to find Christ are all going to be hallmarks of what this program continues to build upon. You know, there might be some little logistical changes that are made, but certainly, you know, he's put together a recipe that's been very successful. I mean, he's taken out over 3,000 kids and brought back over 3,000 kids. That's the key there. Yeah. yeah he brought them back. Pretty much, uh, we need to stick with that philosophy, <laughs> yeah. certainly. And uh, I, I think by keying in on some of the reasons why Dr. Hollowell continued to do it, you know, why uh, why the program continued to grow are certainly key aspects of what what myself and, and Daryl Sullivan and, and the other leadership needs to continue to focus on and not lose sight of at any time. You know, we want to help these kids grow in their understanding of how God exists in our world, and we want to help these kids understand that there's more to life than, you know, lights of the city and that there's some beauty out here to come explore. And so certainly want to continue to drive home those experiences. I'll leave you with this. I remember vividly interviewing Daryl and him saying, He's at his best for those two weeks when he's out at West. Talk a little bit about that because I think we all kind of sense that to some degree. You know, being a classroom teacher and then going out in front of it, going out in front of those students in a more relaxed environment certainly does present an opportunity to really share in an enriching moment. You know, I feel more comfortable out there. I feel like I could talk a little bit more from my heart with those students and and faculty alike. I mean, I will say this, it's, it's very interesting, you know, you and I and Darla here, we've all grown closer together because of this trip, and I certainly have grown closer to a lot of the adults. And sometimes, I think you've mentioned this before in your these podcasts, like it's the only two weeks we really spend together. That's right. And, you know, we're out there laughing, having a good time, and, you know, poking fun when we need to poke fun at one another. But it's just like, you know, the, the brother that you go home to at Christmas every year, and everything's the same. So these good group of people that have a common goal of really enriching the lives of these students. So certainly enjoy the opportunity to to continue to grow closer to the people that help make this trip possible but also you know grow closer to what i think is a calling that god has given me and that that is to continue to drive this trip and and share in in the beauty that exists throughout this world whether they see it in nature whether whether they see christ in nature whether they see christ in the relationships that are around them or whether they see christ in overcoming the challenges wherever they see it i think we're called to help make sure that they have that opportunity uh, we're off to the Rocky Mountain National Park next year. That's correct. That's the, the uh, plan. And uh, back to Durango for a week two, I, b- I believe, right? 
Yeah, we're looking at uh, we're looking at a couple different options there. I mean, I think we had a lot of good traction on uh, exploring these other national parks towards the end of the uh, end of the trips, and I think we're gonna uh, we continue to have conversations about what that might look like traveling out of Rocky Mountain, and then having uh, San Juan as a potential backup if should things not work. So we got a good plan in place. We think uh, we think we'll get the kids up on the mountains quite a bit this way, get them on the white water, and get them to explore another national park too so i think we're going to be offering them some exciting opportunities tim thanks for being here appreciate it we look forward to uh next june and another adventure all right thank you rebel five is sponsored by steve's flowers and gifts for the best and freshest flowers in indianapolis and surrounding areas steve's flowers and gifts have exactly what you're looking for for your next special occasion call steve's flowers at 800-742-9359 we're excited today to have chris belch with us chris has been a uh, long-time uh, participant on Summer Field Studies, and this is Summer Field Studies Part 2, Special Edition. So we just got back from Summer Field Studies, and, and yeah. um, there was one thing missing this year and something that has been uh, there for a long, long time, and that's you. And so you have been such a huge part of Summer Field Studies for such a long time. So um, talk a little bit about why. Um, I, I've been on the trip um, a few times now, and I understand how it catches you. Um, it must have ca- caught you a long, long time ago. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah, it did. I, I, um, I went as a student after my senior year. I didn't go after my junior year. And we went to the Grand Canyon. It was the first time summer field studies had gone to the Grand Canyon. We also did some time at Zion and Bryce. And I just, I fell in love with the West. I, I remember driving across the country and Scott Fangman, who I know you interviewed for part one, was my van driver. And I remember just staying up all night and watching the terrain change and the plains turn to mountains and then the mountains turned to desert and just pulling into Zion Canyon where our base camp was. And I was just, I was just in love with the scenery. And then as the trip went on, and you started to have the fun with the people and the, the, the campfire reflections and the challenges of hiking and all the things that go with camping on summer field studies, I was immediately in love with it. You work for yourself. You're an attorney. Um, talk a little bit about that because that's, that's, some, that's a big, huge commitment every year to go away for two weeks. Talk a little bit about uh, why it's continued to be so important to you. Well, yeah, definitely – uh, having my own business is a blessing and that I can make my own schedule. It, it allows me to go on summer field studies and to coach football here, uh, the two really important parts of my life. Uh, I've just been blessed with my partner, Rob Lynch. His kids went here, Colin and Kendra Lynch. Uh, so he's a big believer in Ron Colley and what we do over here, and he's never had a problem with it. It's always just been part of of our, our uh life at Lynch and Belch Attorneys. It just, it just assumed that I was going to go on summer field studies every year for two weeks. Uh, we, we interviewed Scott uh, in part one, and, and um, he, he made the point to say when he got married, he told her, I do summer field studies. Yeah. <laughs> it should be part of the vows. <laughs> well, I think I, it might have been in Scott's case. Uh, I asked Joe uh, what his favorite uh, summer field studies memory was, and he he didn't have a specific one, but he talked about just sitting around a campfire and talking to friends, talking to students, and just talking about the day. So, 
favorite uh, summer field study uh, moment? I know that's kind of an unfair question, but go ahead. Yeah, I, I can I'll duck the question a little bit, kind of like Joe did. And it, it certainly, I call them talk circles, where at the end of the day, you just have dozens of different places you can go to talk to people. And uh, that's a huge part of the trip. But for me, uh, I would have to say, I, I call them forever days. Days that you're going to remember forever and, and and knowing that I'm also giving that gift to the kids in my group and those would be the the very physically challenging days like hiking across the Grand Canyon or climbing a 14,000 foot peak or climbing multiple peaks in one day or just doing something really really long and high and challenging because I know um, and I oftentimes tell the kids at the start of the hike that this is a day that you're going to remember forever and frankly as you get older you realize there's not a lot of those every year that's that's sort of my I want to have a forever day for myself and I want to give that to the kids talking to Daryl in part one as well um, he talked about those two weeks being his best he's at his best during those two weeks I think you probably feel the same way can you kind of expand on that a little bit I know that's Daryl's thought but I I sense that you probably think the same I know that we live life to the fullest on those two weeks. The, the days are full. You have that feeling when you put your head down at night that it, you didn't leave anything out. You know, you're talking about when you coach athletes and you, you, try, you try to convince them that they need to leave everything out there, okay? And it's the same thing on field studies. I feel like th- those two weeks, I know I'm not going to leave anything out there. And that's, that's like a... It's not as easy to do here. Right. You, you were just talking about in the hallway there about jobs around the house that you do 82% of. <laughs> but you can't. You can't right. that yeah. Field studies, you don't leave 18% out there. You, you, you get it done, it seems like, to me, every day. Um, over the course of the time that you've been on the, the trip, you've been out there with friends. Um, talk a little bit about that because some of the guys that will be on this episode talk about, well, Chris – Belch talked me into coming out. And so what's that mean to you when you uh, hear that from, from say, a Chuck Roach who um, maybe didn't have any experience until Taylor came along and, and then saw me as well, really, because when my daughter Caroline said she wanted to go, I said, you know, if you're going, I'm going. Yeah. And so talk a little bit about what that has meant to you being out here with your friends. In Chuck's case, you know, we've been friends since we were six months old. So there's no question um, you know, in his case and in the case of a few others that, um, I'm the reason they went on summer field studies, but a lot of the people over the years, um, some of my dearest friends I have because of summer field studies. And as I was younger, I mean, keep in mind when, when I first went, I was, um, 20 years old or other than as a student, um, I wasn't that much older than some of the the students, and they would come back and be Sherpas. Was was Sherpas talked about in the first podcast? Oh, yeah, a People little might bit. A little bit. Yeah, that's just college kids. That I know I'm getting a little off track from your question, but those are college kids that are asked back to kind of do the dirty work, to right. dig ditches, to unload trucks, etc. Yeah. And I, I was kind of the original Sherpa, um, but those, you know, back in those, I kind of call it the golden age where. I knew every year going on field studies, I would come back with people that were going to be part of my life forever. So it kind of goes both ways. I may have given 
some people to summer field studies, but summer field studies has given me a lot of people that are really important to me. And I know that didn't quite answer. It's <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's okay. okay. Times around the, the campfire at, at night, um, and, and a lot of people, a lot of our listeners won't know what that's about as far as the evening reflection, but those are very important to the experience. Um, you've played a big, huge part of that. So uh, talk a little bit about um, where that comes from, and then I'm going to ask you one, one last question um, about this past year. You know, we talk uh, the, the three prongs of, of summer field studies. Uh, it's educational. We try and teach them about nature, um, the physical challenge, the physical demands of achieving something with your body, pushing your body to near its limit. And then the third prong is the spiritual prong. And that takes many forms. Uh, There's a morning praise, which I know you've done a number of times that Mm -hmm. I really enjoy. Um, We used to have for a lot of years, what's called personal journal reflection, which there was like a half an hour each day right before dinner where it was silent time and the students all had a journal and they were given a topic and they'd go write about it for half an hour, trying to make sure that they took something home with them. Mm-hmm. But the biggest one is the evening reflection uh, where a staff member gets up and talks from the heart, shares something personal and meaningful, and then it's opened up for the students to kind of comment on, to reflect on. And uh, again, like, as you alluded to, to somebody who's listening to this and hasn't experienced it, that may not sound like that need of a thing. But when you're there and you're under a million stars mm-hmm. and, and the fire's crackling and you just, you're, you're feeling blessed, you're counting your blessings, you're just kind of in the moment. And then to hear you know, a 17 or 18 year old kid say something just kind of knocks your socks off it's it's hard to top it's it's just a a really neat thing and i would for probably 16 or 17 years in a row i did the closing reflection right um i just um, father dan atkins had done it he this is probably going back to the late 90s i'm guessing and he had done it two or three years in a row and then he decided he wasn't going to be able to go on the trip and Joe asked me if I'd be willing to do that closing reflection, and I did it, and I just kept doing it. Right, and uh, it ruined my time at the hotel. <laughs> <laughs> no, I <laughs> because I was it. yeah. Well, everybody else was enjoying the bed and the shower and the first TV program in two weeks. I was a nervous wreck, holed up in a room somewhere with a pen and a little piece of Holiday Inn paper <laughs> wherever we were staying. They all go together. It wouldn't be. It'd be just another retreat if we weren't in the mountains it'd be a camping trip if we didn't have the religious part of it. yeah i mean it, it both both of those things have to be there for it to be what summer field studies is this this year and all of the 37 years and 40 trips before this year uh joe hollowell dr joe was the the leader the uh he was the genesis of the program along with deb Sachs. That's going to change. And so this past year, unfortunately, you were not on the trip. I'm hoping, I'm, I'm, I've heard that next year you're planning on coming back, which um, you're nodding your head. So I hope that's an affirmative. Talk a little bit about that because the trip's going to change, but is it going to change enough to make a difference, I guess? Yeah, I, I had lunch with Joe 10 days or so before the trip, and he kind of told me his plan with Tim and, and uh, next year being his last 
and he's for the record i think you probably he said that a bunch but right everybody knows this right. time it's okay right. i said you know with daryl um doing so much of the administrative work both ahead of time and while we're there um, we always have i know you only had one priest this year i think right. but normally there's multiple to handle you know the sacramental and a lot of the religious part of it you're going to have adults like you and i step up and do reflections right um, so a lot of it is going to be covered in his absence because it already is but what can't be replaced about him is his charisma, his essence, just his presence. And um, I don't think there's anybody I've met that can take his place. So it is going to be different. Summer Field Studies is bigger than any one person. I, I learned that. I knew it already. I learned it in a, a more real way this year by not going. It's a close call <laughs> with Joe Hollowell. I mean, he's... He is, you, you guys, anybody who's been who listens to this knows about his presence, his charisma. Um, he's, I'm, I know I'm struggling here to find the exact phrase I'm looking for, but you just, it's going to go on and it's going to be great um, and maybe just as great and maybe it'll grow, and but it will be different um, at first and maybe for a little while. But I was thinking that's more for you mm. and me mm -hmm. and the staff members that have gone multiple times. The student who rolls into the parking lot and climbs into a van two years from now had n has never been on summer field studies with Joe Hollowell. And uh, everybody after them will have that in common. So it's it might be people like you and me that are pining for the old days that it affects yeah. the most. Right. That's a good point. Yeah. Well, we want to thank you for being here today, for coming in and, and talking to us about summer field studies. I know it's been a huge part of your yeah. life, and uh, I'm kind of late to the game, but I get it. Yeah. And uh, it's it's a Ron Colley institution, and uh, thank thankfully that um, we've been a part of that, and uh, hopefully it will go on for many many years, and uh, hopefully you'll be part of it for many many years. Thanks, Chris. I hope so. It's it's changed my life immeasurably. I'm Gary Armbruster, and thanks for joining us today for this episode of the Rebel 5 Podcast. To find out more information about the podcast, please visit 50.roncolly.org forward slash podcast.php. Again, thanks so much for joining us today, and until next time, we'll fight ahead.